so so it yeah I'd like to I'd like to begin talking about uh, moral intelligence and integrity and um, uh, I'd, I'd like to begin by actually saying why I chose those those words, um, you know, rather than morality or um, or ethics or uh, because it certainly does involve those. Um, and I, I when, when I talk about moral intelligence and integrity, to me that uh, expresses an inner development, an inner experience, um, and. Uh, a bit like emotional intelligence, you know, that we can develop. And even, I think, you know, what's normally known as intelligence, like the capacity to understand concepts and work with them and, um, you know, different kinds of intelligence. I think, I think all of these can be developed. And um, uh, so, so it's not, so, you know, in, this inner development is kind of in contrast to a, a memorized set of rules, um, and um, and so uh, this this moral intelligence uh, is a, an integral part of our practice. Um, the the practice of of uh, sila or morality, virtue, is uh, is very much a part of Buddhist practice, along with wisdom and meditation. Um, and then the other word is um, integrity. So I, I like I really love the word integrity because uh, to me that expresses, and I think the meaning of it is this this quality of being whole, of um, of wholeness. Uh, unbrokenness and 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 what that expresses to me in terms of um, <clears throat> my practice is that uh, there is a sense of not being drawn away from uh, a, a being collected in um, non-harming so uh, so not being drawn out of that um, uh, attention to non-harming which means in Buddhist terms not getting caught up in in grasping not getting caught up in aversion or hating and not getting caught up in in delusion um, or ignorance so, um, I mean, um, I mean, dra drawn into. Uh, what I'd like to request is that I can just present some ideas. So I'm going to put out some ideas, and and I'll, you know, kind of. Uh, if I get into just discussion, then I, you know, I'd like, I'd like, I have a few ideas I'd like to put out for us to then, um, you know. Uh, discuss together. So, um, so, so, uh, yeah. So we can get off balance um, uh, into you know wanting, wanting something, or hating something, or you know 
um, having some ideas that it should be this way and not that way, and and so um, so so the integrity uh, is this sense of of wholeness and balance in my understanding as it pertains to this topic. <clears throat> so the the view of um, of of morality and 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 moral intelligence <clears throat> is one of profound interconnection. Um, and uh, and this is at the heart of Buddhist teaching that we don't we don't exist as a separate entity uh, apart from the the world around us. <clears throat> With every breath that we take, you know, that is a statement of our interconnection with the world. Every time we take a sip of water, every time we eat, and and what we shared this morning as we began our our time together was also uh, an expression of how we are influenced. You know, we flow into. That's the what the word influence means. We we flow into, and we we are flowed into. Uh, by, by all the people that we meet, and you know, for better and for worse, and so there are people in our lives. I'm sure in my life, I'm sure in yours, who have influenced us for the worse, and we've you know perhaps gotten into behaviors and ways of thinking that have been harmful to ourselves and harmful to others, um, and and so you know we can learn to recognize uh, where and who are those people that really uh, support us in, in coming from that view, wise view of our interconnectedness with all of life and, and living also from a, a sense of kindness and a, 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 an intention to not cause harm on, to other to other living beings. So, um, so I, I think that we we have, you know, it's not that this that we're we're building this moral intelligence from nothing. We we all we all have this capacity. Um, somebody somebody mentioned. Uh, somewhere around here in the room about children sometimes really having this uh, this real um, sensitivity to life and respect for life that can kind of get crusted over when we're as we uh, go along in this world and um, and we make compromise after compromise there's a, a poem that I, I found in this book that <clears throat> really touched me in this way. <clears throat> it's called um, Mimesis, and it's by Fatty Judah. My daughter wouldn't hurt a spider that had nested between her bicycle handles. For two weeks, she waited <clears throat> until it left of its own accord. 
If you tear down the web, I said, it will simply know that, uh, that this isn't a place to call home and you'd get to go biking. She said, that's how others become refugees, isn't it? <clears throat> Wisdom of children. <clears throat> so, um, so this this is an intelligence that's innate within us, a sensitivity that's innate, and uh, and 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 as we uh, in our practice, in our spiritual practice, uh, grow beyond the delusion of self-centeredness. This innate morality, um, this innate moral intelligence can blossom. Um, And there's a teacher that I like very much uh, named Gil Fronsdale, and he also he uh, draws a distinction between moral values, which are very important that we learn and develop moral values as kind of ideas and ideals. <clears throat> and um, and we're going to um, I'm, I'm going to uh, say the the five precepts, which are part of um, Buddhist training and and these are moral values. Um, and he, but he makes a distinction between moral values and what he calls ethical sensitivity. And um, I think it's, this, it's what I'm trying to point to in, when I say moral intelligence. <clears throat> so, so we can see in, in the way that we train in mindfulness how important it is uh, if we're seeing uh, the moral dimension of life in this way, uh, how important it is for us to be attentive and present to ourselves in each moment. Because it's in a moment that, that a, uh, an impulse can arise of aversion or anger or, or greed or, um, or rejection or judgment. Um, and it's in a moment that we can that we can <clears throat> cling to some kind of fundamentalist idea of it should be like this, and so because you're not like that, then you don't fit or you're not acceptable. Um, I actually heard um, a really wonderful conversation yesterday uh, on on uh, uh, NPR um, the Vermont Public Radio uh, and it was with a rabbi uh, and he was actually an ultra-orthodox rabbi and he was um, uh, he he was uh, expressing how he had turned away from the ultra-Orthodox Jewish attitude and many ex- 
you know, kind of ultra-Orthodox, whatever they may be called, fundamentalist Christian or Muslim or 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 Hindu or or Buddhist or other traditions, uh, which reject other sexual expressions such as um, homosexuality or uh, different gender identities, sexual orientation, different sexual orientations, and he and and in ultra orthodox Judaism they're they're called abominations, and he he had a a, a just a, a revelation. Um, a kind of an experience in his life of somebody he loved who came out as trans and and then also one of his students he teaches in a in a college or a yeshiva and this person also came out as trans and he recognized that that he couldn't dictate what somebody's relationship with God would be you know so so uh, you know that kind of um, uh, uh, you know deep recognition uh, that that can just come out of you know that that our the body the mind says uh, you know I can't hold this stance anymore you know that this is that this is not uh, who I am and and in meditation. <clears throat> This sensitivity that we develop within the body and mind, um, to our hearts, to our deep, um, to the feelings in the body, uh, help us to to live with that that kind of authenticity. Um, and and it you know it doesn't in our ordinary development spiritual development it doesn't usually happen with, you know, these great kind of, um, you know, revelations such as with this particular rabbi. Uh, it happens with just a recognition, you know, I'm, I'm taking something uh, that I didn't ask permission to take and doesn't feel right, or uh, I'm, you know, I'm not telling the truth to somebody and it may be expedient, but it feels it, it feels wrong. It feels like a division. You know, it feels like a um, it's kind of a separate that I'm creating a separation between myself and that other person. A, a, a separation that will create more mistrust, and um, you know, can only develop in harmful ways. So, um, so mindfulness helps us to to deal wisely with the greed, with the aversion, with the anger. You know, as I was saying to the question that came up, it's not that these that these energies just disappear. It's not that we need to push them away. It's not that they that we we should deny them or repress them. Um, they are part of being a human being, and they <clears throat> they arise because of causes and conditions from our lives that um, you know maybe we were brought up to fear certain kinds of people, or we were brought up to um, uh, 
to express ourselves sexually in certain kinds of ways, which create discomfort to others, um, um, imposing ourselves sexually, uh, or or we were brought up to, or we learned as as uh, you know as I talked about earlier, maybe we learned because of situations in our lives to lie. We thought that it was a, you know the best choice. And um, and then as you know, as we develop and deepen in our spiritual practice, we may <coughs> excuse me begin to recognize that these are are harmful, that these are causing harm. And so, in 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 subtle ways, in gradual ways, we we recognize and let go again and again until we those we unlearn those habits. And um, and, and then, at the same time, we also cultivate qualities. We intentionally cultivate kindness. Um, we, we, cult- we, we, do, we do practices and we bring and we cultivate thoughts of, you know, having empathy for other people, caring for other people, bringing goodwill into our relations, compassion. Um, cultivating compassion for the suffering of others. Um, again, these are qualities which are innate. We all have them. Um, <clears throat> so, so the the practice of meditation in which we are coming into the body um, and and feeling the body, attuning ourselves to the heart, uh, is uh, is a practice in which our heart becomes liberated. We we give our hearts space to to simply be. Um, we receive ourselves first of all with love and kindness and compassion, and um, and. And we and and as and as we develop that capacity, a, a more spacious heart, a more relaxed heart, a more joyful heart, because letting go of the the kind of the the forces, the energies that drive us to cause harm, um, create angst and pain and uh, fear in our hearts, uh, unease, and so so a heart that is more relaxed is a more joyful heart, and um, and so um, so relaxing and unfettering the heart is aligning the heart with its own purity. And one of the most challenging Buddhist teachings um, is that nothing whatsoever is worth the cost of a contracted heart. An inner virtue is more valuable than anything that we might gain from actions that will contract our heart. So it's an evolution. Uh, The more deeply that we can see our intentions and motivations as as we see them in in meditation and in mindfulness in our daily lives, the more we can let go of unskillful ones and be motivated by, by wisdom and kindness. And um, 
and and it's something that we need each other to learn from. I, you know, I uh, I'm certainly don't feel I'm on a moral high ground. The more I practice, the more the more I look at my my motivations and my intentions, the more I recognize that you know they're not always skillful. And having a you know a mindfulness practice helps me to see the motivation, see the suffering that is potential in that, and and release it before it goes into uh, speech or action most of the time. Um, so um, and 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 in relationships. Uh, we can, you know, we need each other to, to learn this moral intelligence because we all have blind spots. Um, and, so, uh, and so if we're open and interested, we, we can be shown sometimes when we're unskillful and also when we're skillful. So, um, so morality in... Um, in Buddhism, in Buddhist practice, are are trainings of the mind. They're not they're not um, rules. I, I think I'm I said this already, but I'll repeat it. They're not rules that if you break them, then you know you've sinned and somehow you need to be absolved from that. They're trainings of the mind, and and we may understand them more and more deeply um, as our practice deepens. It, they help us to see our motivations. And they help us to develop that inner s- sensitivity. So I'm going to read them out, um, read out these five precepts, which are the basic training precepts. Um, as, as this is... I. You know, the, the source that I took these from said that they are a literal translation from the Pali. Uh, I take upon myself the path of learning to refrain from harming living beings. I take upon myself the path of learning to refrain from taking what is not given. I take upon myself the path of learning to refrain from misusing sensual pleasure. I take upon myself the path of learning to refrain from speaking carelessly, wrongly, or harmfully. I take upon myself the path of learning to refrain from the state of carelessness and indolence caused by alcohol and drugs. So in addition to letting go of harmful tendencies, the precepts can also inspire us to cultivate beneficial qualities. So these would be, in letting go of, ref- in, in letting go of harming living beings, we can develop protectiveness of living beings. In letting go of, of taking what's not given, we can develop generosity of heart and mind and action. In letting go of misusing our sensuality, we can develop a gentle wakefulness in our sensual and sexual life. In letting go of uh, 
speaking carelessly, wrongly, or harmfully, we can develop skillful and kind speech. And in letting go of um, the states of carelessness and indolence that can be caused by intoxicating substances, we cultivate clear and alert states of mind. <clears throat> so, um, so the Buddhist tradition acknowledges that life is complex and throws up many difficulties, and it's, it doesn't suggest that there's any single course of action, which is how these precepts should be lived out. Um, and, and so rather than speaking of actions being right or wrong, um, we usually hear the language in Buddhist teachings of, of, um, of them being skillful or unskillful. So, um, so this, you know, as I mentioned, this moral dimension um, is based on a sense of empathy. And the fundamental principle behind morality, of course, is I don't do to you what I wouldn't want you to do to me. And I don't steal things and I don't lie to you because I wouldn't want you to do those things to me or anybody to do those things to me. And I don't sexually abuse or and violate others and so on. So I have that respect for other beings and, and that's for my welfare and for the welfare of others and leads to peace. And that expression is often heard in Buddhist teaching for, for my own welfare, for the welfare of others and leading to Nibbana or leading to peace. So um, there's a teacher named Ajahn Suchito who um, has written a wonderful book on uh, the parami. The parami are ten qualities that we cultivate which are perfections of the heart. There are many, many Many frameworks of Buddhist teachings, and um, and and so you know, they're all, they're all really interesting. And morality is is present in many of them, not all of them, but in in many of them. And the parami, uh, it's it's the um, second of the uh, parami, the second cultivation. So um, so Ajahn Suchita says that. The five precepts may sound really basic and boring. Um, they they're not they're not this kind of transcendent view or blissful view. They don't seem so exalted. But but the transcendent point is not what they look like, but what they call forth. What it takes to keep them, and the effects that they have on our life. So when we cultivate this, this, this moral sense, this sense of non-harming, this sense of empathy, caring for others, and, and really in these particular ways bringing attention to these five ways of refraining from causing harm, then they, they enlighten us in the sense of uh, they shine a light on 
the movements of our hearts and minds which are driven by harmful impulses. And, and so we have the capacity to release those, to let them go. There's a, there are um, teachings in, in the Buddhist tradition. It's, uh, when I first heard these, I was really moved by the, the, these teachings um, on uh, what the Buddha calls the guardians of the world. And there are two qualities that the Buddha says that if these, um, if, when these are maintained, then, then our, our societies thrive. When these are... Uh, when these fall into, um, when we forget them, then we, uh, we suffer um, collectively. And the words in Pali are hiri and otapa. So hiri is uh, translated as self-respect or conscientiousness. So, um, and I think that, that connects to what I was saying about integrity, the sense of self-respect conscientiousness that that we are um, uh, that we know that we don't want to degrade ourselves we don't want to demean ourselves and when we when we talk falsely or or meanly about somebody behind their back you know then we're demeaning ourselves and that that injures our self-respect so um, so it's an attitude of taking earnest care with regard to one's actions, refraining from non-virtuous actions. And otapa is translated as, sometimes as shame. Um, another word is decorum. I'm not sure that resonates for me, <laughs> decorum. But, uh, but shame, in the sense of it's defined as shunning unwholesome actions that you would be ashamed of if others that you hold in high esteem would know about. So these people that we all talked about at the beginning of, the, uh, of our day, um, if they knew uh, that, you know, that I was doing something in this moment that I'm not feeling too good about, when I think about that, when I think that they would be disappointed, that that um, that they would reproach me for doing that action, um, that that these people of good character that I respect and and want to have their respect as being uh, also a person of good character, that this holds in check the. Um, the maybe the impulsive or the greedy or the selfish actions that might come up, and and some actions that we see being done in the world today, you know, sometimes the word that comes to my mind is shameless. It just feels just shameless that you know 
people, some people seem to have no shame. And, and it's, um, it's, it's so, so we don't think of shame as being a positive thing, but in this sense, um, uh, we can see the value of it and how, how it, you know, it, it protect, it's a kind of a protection to ourselves and to our collective world. So, um, yeah, I just want to read uh, the, this, this final paragraph from Ajahn Suchito, um, in which he's talking about the parami. And so we're talking today about one of the parami, the, um, uh, the, uh, the parami of, of, of virtue or, or um, uh, ethical development. Um, there are other paramis such as uh, uh, generosity and renunciation and, and patience and uh, truthfulness. So, so, um, so, but but just you know, hearing he's talking about the parami, but just hearing this about uh, maybe about moral development. <clears throat> the parami are inclinations and potentials that we develop into clear intentions. Their development comes in three stages, the initiating, the gathering, and the completion. Initially, one brings the topic to mind, so thinking about the moral precepts. Even this much is useful. It means that parami get built in as a frame of reference when other values such as fun, convenience, style, worldly performance, and success can be taking over the mind. So the gathering stage is when you apply the perfect, so the, the second stage, the gathering stage, <clears throat> is when you apply the perfection in the face of opposition. Something in you doesn't want to bother. Other people don't see the point. It's not convenient, etc., etc. So, so that rabbi, you know, applied the value that he saw of of <coughs> openness in the face of opposition. In fact, he lost his job. He was fired from his job, and um, and uh, and so that is a way in which we deepen our commitment to to these uh, moral values. Um, and the third stage of completion is when you know your fullness in that perfection will take you through any obstacle. You can give up your life for it. You realize, why not? Life is going to end anyway. Why not establish the mind in a position of strength while there is time? So when we establish our minds on one of these parami, we can put aside inclinations as to who's right and who deserves what, and we can focus on the intention of our own minds. As we get clear in that respect, we then have to meet the resistance from going against the current. Buddha called this practice going against the stream, going against the stream of 
perhaps the social conventions and going against the stream perhaps of our own um, drivenness, our own compulsions and desires. This is, <clears throat> this is the gathering stage in which there is also an emotional, there is often an emotional and energetic turbulence in the mind in which doubt and imbalance come to the fore. Here's, one, one ha here's where one has to use resolve, patience, wisdom, kindness, or the examples of wise friends in order to get steady. This is the stage in which perfections get established to supplant impatience, intolerance, and other defilements that cramp our potential. As we look for that balance within the shifts of our mind in the world, we keep checking out the current in accord with the Buddha's own line of inquiry. Does this behavior cause me and or others long-term harm, suffering, indignity, or stress? Does it lead to my welfare, the welfare of others, and peace? As a result of that work, our inclinations and intentions get established on the good and the whole, and we are able to review the fractured, the stained, or the afflicted. You could say that on touching into truth, our mind is able to return to healing. <clears throat> this is how the bodhisattva arises. It's a mind that is in touch with truth, but not fully absorbed in it, gone beyond your, your previous standpoint, capacity, or view, and open to a place of wisdom and compassion. Instead of referring your actions to some self-image of what I deserve and should I really, and this is what I always do and all that I'm capable of, there's a shift to a response that refers to a wider parameter than that of the habitual self. The great intention arises for my welfare, for the welfare of others, and leading to peace. Then that twisted loop in the circuitry of intelligence, the loop of self-view, gets untangled. The mind unfolds a deep crease, and in that unfolding, nothing is lost except a propensity, propensity to unnecessary suffering. It's not the case that I'm perfect, but that a perfect balance has been struck. This is the third stage of the, of the parami, the completion. It's a change of life. So I'd like to invite any, um, any comments, any uh, reflections, uh, your wisdom, your insights uh, around this topic that, may, that might have come up as, um, as I was sharing some ideas with you. I think people have said it's, it's very complicated, morality. And even if you bring it down to do no harm to yourself or to others, what is that, what is that harm? Uh, I'm thinking of, of various examples of our, our, our society. And, um, you know, uh, if someone, uh, people who object to uh, same-sex same kissing in public or, or kissing in public in general, 
because it offends them, it offends some kind of value that they have in, internally. Is that not a legitimate thing? People who object to uh, women wearing a hijab, is that because it's, it's, it, it speaks to some, it, it, contra, it contravenes some deep value that people say they fought for and so on. It just seems like different kinds of morality sometimes confront it. Mm. It's not easy to see. Well, for me, one thing that <clears throat> clarifies uh, th those, those particular questions that you brought up is, is bringing a, a distinction between causing harm and offending somebody. So it may offend somebody you know, somebody's uh, sensibilities or somebody's um, preferences or somebody's opinions or somebody's ideology, but does it is there really harm being caused? So that's, that's kind of, uh, and maybe it's not, you know, like totally a, a line that cuts through the question, but for me it does bring some clarity to the question to inquire, is it causing harm or is somebody taking offense because of their their beliefs? You know, so that's, that's different. So, so what is harm? Does it have to be physical, a physical um, removal of, what is, what is harm? How would you define harm? Well, I don't think harm is just, you know, somebody <laughs> feeling unhappy about something I'm doing. You know, like if, if I, if I'm going to live my life, protecting uh, others from feeling unhappy about anything I'm doing. I'm not going to be very happy myself, you know. So, and, and, and some of us have probably lived that way for part of our lives anyway. Um, so, uh, so, causing harm, destroying life, taking life, taking what's not, you know, taking what's not offered, um, Speaking lies or or har in in harsh ways, those are examples of causing harm. Using my sexuality in a way that that is harmful to somebody, um, objectifies them or uses them for my own pleasure, or so not you know um, because I have some opinion about what sexuality should be or should not be. Because an opinion, there's no, I mean, where do you find any kind of, you know, solid ground to stand on? Because there are, you know, billions of different opinions and, and we, you know, is that, anyway, that's not, that's not how I don't think that's what the teachings are calling us to, to not offend anybody. I just—I uh, mean, I don't want to start a whole discussion on that. Yeah, seems, but I mean, there's a difference. Not, if it's not, you know, it could be people say, for we'll take the hijab thing. It's it's people say it undermines society. It undermines. There's there's. It's not just offense. It, it's a whole value That's their system. opinion. That's their opinion. And is there any proof opinion. of that? Is there any proof of that? 
I mean, it's not based on anything but prejudice. It seems to me that the harm is coming from that intolerance, you know, not from, so, you know, am I going to respect and try to, and obey and conform to somebody's intolerance? Uh, you know, that's, it seems that if I'm going to uh, make a, some kind of value judgment about where's the harm in this, I would say it's the intolerance which is forcing people to, um, you know, relinquish something that culturally, religiously is meaningful to them, which it's causes... Also feminist intolerance of sexism. It's complicated. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, so you know, it cuts let's, all kinds of you know, yeah. let's change ourselves. Mm -hmm. let's, let's look at you know the people we can we can we can uh, curb intolerance in ourselves. Uh, you know I certainly see that my mind is conditioned and is not always uh, you know accepting of differences. Um, when we're trying to get others to conform to some idea we have of, of what, how we want things to look, uh, that's, you know, that, that's, you know, if, if they're not causing harm, yeah. Christiane? Isn't it the, for me, the way I see it for myself, obviously, is judging those opinions is, is uh, what's not uh, morality, because really, who am I to judge what you think or what he thinks, you know, is, I think we might agree or not agree or, you know, but morality for me is uh, not there. I mean, you know, it doesn't harm anybody really at the end of the day if you put a scarf on your head, you know? That's what I mean. If you if you don't have a scarf and you hurt someone, then it's immoral. <laughs> you know, that's... Right. I don't know. That's yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, just going back to what you were saying, having an attitude of taking honest care, and the simplicity of there's an expression of live and let live. Mm -hmm. So that would be allowing for the differences. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I love that expression, live and let live, because, you know, life expresses itself in so many ways, right? And so when we come with an attitude of, you know, life should look like this, you know, whether it's white middle class or, uh, you know, whatever, um, and we're closing ourselves to the life that expresses itself in other ways. And so, uh, so there's a lot of life that, that we shut out when we when we're closed to other expressions it, it's also uh, part of having an open heart yeah yeah um i like the like i think for sure morality is super complicated and philosophically complicated but the thing about starting with yourself is really powerful to me and I thought this was a really beautiful um, kind of discourse about 
um, what it feels like to move towards integrity personally. And I think for myself, like, I've been learning that my actions that are breaching those five precepts, um, whether it's lying or taking something that wasn't offered to me or hurting myself and others in my sexual sort of experience, like, it always comes from either craving or aversion. And when I look back at it, when I've hurt myself or hurt someone else and ask myself, was it craving or aversion? And what was I craving or what was I trying to avoid? That's where I've been really sort of sometimes untangling like uh, these loops, like these self-destructive patterns mm -hmm. in my own behavior. And it really brings me peace. And, and that, that's, it's most of the time I, I'm not able to do it, but when I am, it's really like experiential. Like I feel the truth of that teaching. And um, I think that's a way of trying to be kind of respectful of myself and respectful of others. Right. Yeah, thank you, Leo. Mary Claude? Go ahead. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking also when we were talking about taking offense or, or hurting or causing suffering, um, that the minute that we, we take offense or we see, we go into a mindset of seeing things separate from ourselves and we go to that separation again and then we're back to, we're not open, we're, we're going back mm -hmm. to the separation feeling I am like this and I see them like that and then there's black, white, mm -hmm. I want white, I don't want black and then so that's the whole thing that I think we have to sort of move beyond, that's really hard, that sense of separate <coughs> being. Mm -hmm. And right. that interconnectedness yeah. is, I think, the five precepts is sort of, it's all leaning, you know. Yeah. And, and part of it is just, I mean, I, I, think, I think that a lot of it is that we're, we're wanting the security of, of knowing that things are a certain way. Mm -hmm. But they're not. You know, <laughs> they're much bigger than we, we can know, much bigger than we can understand. And so, you know, grasping at, um, you know, things being a certain way, you know, all the time is, yeah, it's, it's a kind of wanting, it's wanting security. And, and it, but it, it closes us to, uh, to, a, you know, to learning more about life and being open and allowing other ways to blossom. Um, and um, and so, just being interested, just bringing interest, bringing curiosity, bringing bringing an openness, as you were saying, I think is so important. Yeah. First of all, thank you for the Dharma talk. It was beautifully written. 
incredibly, just wonderfully delivered and, and really touched me. Um, I have a situation where I'm on um, a very dedicated spiritual path and I try to put into play all of the virtues and values. And I have a family member who happens to be my daughter who um, is causing me great pain. Um, and the more I shed light and love and patience and compassion toward her, um, the worse her behavior becomes because I'm enabling her to be as narcissistic as she is and um, I'm not sure what to do. It's, it's extremely painful. It's almost as though I'm facing darkness and incredible negativity um, and the light's not getting through. Sounds really hard. Yeah. I'm at a loss. And that's why I spoke before about detachment. Do you move away from a situation like that? Mm. What do you do? Yeah. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.